0: Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed Play Love, a bite sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding, and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. We all know by now the benefits of mindfulness being present in the moment, appreciating what we have right now. Clinical and forensic psychologist Shona Innes thinks this is a skill that is also great for children. And so she wrote a book. It's called Your Mind is Like a Garden, and it's part of a series of books Shona has written to help children with difficult emotions. Hi, Shona. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Tell me about the Big Hug series of books, which is what you've written
1: here. Why write a series? Well, it's actually really interesting, Shona. I didn't set out to actually write a series of books. Because I'm a psychologist and I work with lots of young people, I often write the little people I see letters between sessions um, to just kind of capture what the main points of what we've talked about are. Because when I talk to a young person, we might play some games and <laughs> do just lots of extra chatting so that I get a little bit concerned that they miss the, the kind of the meatiest take-home messages that I'm trying to, to leave them. And so I write a letter that I imagine gets kind of stuck on the fridge at home or that uh, if the grandparents or, or school might get to see at some point in time. So the children can have the important concepts reinforced to them when they're not um, face-to-face with their psychologist. And so uh, long story short, um, some of my letters um, kind of made their way to a publisher, uh, and I got a, a phone call one day, and they asked, "Would they mind if uh, if they turned them into into books?" And so that was the beginning of the of the Big Hug series.
0: Wow! And you use a lot of metaphors in your books. Is that how you um, communicate with your younger clients as well? Yes. Well, it's,
1: it's kind of you have to be really careful about the metaphors you use with with little people because um, you need to make sure they are things that that they can relate to. When we use a metaphor, um, well, when I use a metaphor, I'm trying to take something that's quite complex and kind of put it in a way that the child can understand. So kind of find out how they might be storing things in their brain and where this new concept might be able to kind of fit into that brain storage and, and how they can kind of classify it. Maybe it's next to this, but it's like this, but it doesn't go completely in there. So I can I can draw from something, a child can draw from something that they can relate to and I can extrapolate from there rather than kind of hitting them with something that's that's too new and, and big and overwhelming and, and just doesn't compute for them.
0: Um, so we're talking about your book, Your Mind is Like a Garden. Why was it important to you to have a book about mindfulness and i guess that relates relates back to the question why do you talk to your young clients about the, the small children about mindfulness
1: absolutely we talk about mindfulness often when the presentation is is an anxious one so often when little people are feeling very overwhelmed about uh, worries in in particular or or certain fears and those worries are getting in the way of them having having a life and we talk about the idea of worries being our brain almost time-traveling, going going ahead in time to think about something that hasn't even happened yet, and needing to be able to, to bring our brain or our mind back to what's actually happening now, because there's no need to be scared um, when we look at what's actually happening right now in a moment. When our brain runs away from us, it can go to kind of lots of different worst-case scenarios. So sometimes it's really useful to To bring it back. And and the other reason I'm really big on mindfulness for young people is that it sounds like there's, um, and we're learning more and more, when I say we, <laughs> the psychological community and the researchers and the experts, we're learning more about mindfulness and, and how it's actually affecting um, our brains uh, to that extent as well. And what we know is that it's actually, there's a tiny window in terms of when we might be able to get the most out of mindfulness in a child's development Um, It's really hard for a teenager to learn to sit still and switch off. The changes that happen with with our bodies and brains during puberty um, make it... um, really hard to switch off certain, certain things with all the different um development that's going on all the all the social and kind of emotional the bigger emotions that come with the teenagers. So it's something that sounds like it's it's best to kind of put in in a, to our children's toolboxes when they when they um you know around um preschool and primary school age. It gets a little bit harder to ask them to to sit still when they really are looking for all those teenage things, you know, the the big Noises, the big sounds, the big dramas, the fast cars, those <laughs> sorts of things. It's, um, you know, what we're really looking for is is to try and put it in the toolbox before we, they, they kind of get to the fast car part of their brain.
0: And speaking about that toolbox, um, you know, parents are often told or adults are often told about mindfulness as a way to stay calm in a chaos that is parenthood and it's a big thing that adults are being taught about Do children have a different capacity to understand and apply mindfulness or is it pretty much a very simple concept at heart that they just take and run with?
1: It's it's really interesting because I think by very nature, children are probably more mindful on than than grown ups I mean, when they go perhaps you know, looking in a kitchen or somewhere they they spot things that adults probably um, tend to kind of sweep over they are kind of more into the the tactile and, and the and the details and and the moment in in some way, so it's almost like when we're encouraging them to be mindful we're encouraging them to to be able to, to keep that skill, if you like, to be able to, to hold that place where they are able to take in one thing at a time and to, and to really take it in. So when As we're happened, going to
0: so when we're going to sorry to speak over you, Shannon, but okay. when we're going to the car and our four year old stops to stare at a snail and we're already late, what we should be doing in that moment is going, Ah, you're practicing <laughs> mindfulness. <laughs> this skill is really important. It doesn't matter if it makes us late. Let's concentrate on this snail for five that's minutes. That's right.
1: Yeah, we have to kind of weigh up the pros and cons of how of the uh you know. What might happen if we are terribly late? Absolutely. <laughs> That's a perfect example. And it's, it's also because as our, as our brains develop, they actually become really clever at kind of multitasking. They become more and more efficient. That's how we can kind of learn more and fit things in. Things start to get automated. So if you think back to kind of trying, learning to tie a shoelace, um, you know, it's, kind of complicated for, for little brains to learn how to how to do that and how to coordinate You know whether you're doing the, the two rabbit ears and the rabbit goes around the tree or whether you're doing the, the over and under loops or whichever way you do it. Um, after you've mastered it though, it's something that becomes so automatic that you don't need to pay attention. You can do it with your eyes closed you can do it, almost do it one hand, you can do it while you're on the phone and, and, and cleaning your teeth at the same time. And so our brain, because it's made that more automatic, it's actually got room to do more things. And as we kind of grow, we get better at doing more things more automatically. And mindfulness is about kind of putting a halt to that and going back and slowing down and and stopping and taking notice of things again, rather than just going with what's been automated.
0: Talk to me about the metaphor you've used to explain mindfulness to children, and that is the garden
1: the garden is my mindful place. It's <laughs> where, um, where I can really, you know, watch the snails and try not to get too distressed about what they're doing to my vegetables. <laughs> I can actually watch the snails. I can smell my herbs. Uh, I can see little seeds germinating. And, and of course, while I was there, um, you know, my, my brain goes to all different sorts of places. And also because, you know, my week is pretty full with, with working with people and working with people who are in really intense and, and difficult situations sometimes. So um the garden is my place to kind of let some of that let some of that go and just to, to watch what's happening with my thoughts in that in that space. So in, in some ways choosing the garden metaphor was, was because it was something that relates to me. <laughs> and then it was something that um yeah but then I can then talk to the children about about my garden and how it has all these different paths and yeah, and, and different different moments in it, different seasons in it, the different senses, the, the smells and the, the tastes and how different things feel. Um, yes, yeah, so I chose the garden because it's my mindful place. And have
0: you seen the impact of this on the children that you work with once they start to apply mindfulness to their situations?
1: Yeah, and I think I've also seen the impact, one when it, um, when the parents start to apply it as well. When, when parents can get on board with it, it's truly, truly lovely. And there are lots of um, fabulous little apps and things now that, that parents and families can use. And I know that young people will often really look forward to that special time of the day where, where mum or dad or, or nonna or, or somebody in their life is just going to sit and be still with them and, and listen to the app together while they they sit quietly in a chair Um, it becomes a a little bit of a mindful shared time for for family members sometimes as well that sounds like such a beautiful idea Shona
0: thank you so much for talking with us today my absolute pleasure that was Shona Innes she's a clinical and forensic psychologist and author of your mind is like a garden we'll pop a link up to where you can get the book from just head to babyology.com.au forward slash feed play love Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at parentbrand.com.au. See you next time.